0: I mean, have you guys broken a $2 million run right at this point, or is it something you're focused on doing this year? We have. You have, okay. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. Hey, folks. My guest today is Raul uh, Sadu. He's the known as Silicon Valley's expert on policing, currently works with over 50 local law enforcement agencies across the continent on police reform initiatives. He's the CEO and co-founder of Spider Tech, spelled S-P-I-D-R. He created the world's first automated customer service platform for public safety agencies. Raul, are you ready to take us to the top? Sure am. All right. What does that mean? Uh, who are the customers of policing agencies?
1: Well, I mean, anybody who is interacting with a police officer or deputy sheriff at a local law enforcement level is essentially a customer uh, if you're paying taxes or you know you're you're basically whether you're getting you call nine one because you need help or you're a victim of crime or even if you're getting pulled over because you're basically paying for them to keep the road safe too you're you're technically a customer of that agency
0: mm-hmm.
1: so, so who's paying you then? Well, the agencies themselves so the cities and counties. Uh, pay SpiderTech for the software that allows them to provide better customer service. And that customer service comes in the form of automated texts and emails that go out to the customers of that agency to give keep them informed, let them know what's going on with the status of their case, their now one call, their traffic collision, et cetera. But it also goes out in the form of mobile-friendly surveys. That are being sent to people who are interacting with those police officers so that those agencies can gather feedback every time someone interacts with them that can better improve their operations.
0: And, and why do they need to use you for this versus sort of an instant of Twilio's you know, SMS texting API?
1: Well, in order for this process to be automated, you need to have a basically all-in-one system that integrates with the data systems that they're using today. For me to be able, you know, for, for our for our platform to be able to send out a survey to someone who just recently interacted with a police officer because they called 911 or they're a victim of crime or whatever the circumstances, we need to be able to connect to intelligently connect to the dispatch systems that they have or the records management systems that they have, so those messages can go out and that they every single survey that comes back can be attached to an interaction, which we have a record of. So all of those surveys, for example, we have. Uh, you know, a plan of action because we know it's in reference to this officer, this now one call, this, this report, whatever the circumstances, this traffic stop, because we have that integration in place. And you can't just do that with like, let's say SurveyMonkey or Twilio by itself. You have to have build a, a, a platform that works with these configurations and then uses those integrations to do this automatically.
0: Understood. And what are these agencies paying uh, you per month
1: on average to use the technology? Uh, Well, we do yearly contracts and and in some case, multi-year contracts. Uh, the pricing is based off of how large the agencies are in terms of their sworn size is the term. Sworn size would be how many you know police officers or deputy sheriffs they have you know work in the fields, etc. Um, to, to be able to get a sense of how much data is going to go in and out, how many customers are they likely interacting with on a daily basis, and they pay an annual fee based on that, and that covers the entirety of the platform. Or they can purchase it kind of a la carte, module by module. They can decide we only want to send messages to 911 callers or crime victims, for example. They can decide that they want to. Specifically, do you know uh, surveys, or they want to have a module on their website which allows people to go and track the status of their case directly from the police website? They can pick and choose, or they can take the old platform, and that's what you know basically how how we set up the annual fee.
0: So, so I'm going to force you into an average here' just to help us stay focused. So, so, what would an average contract be
1: for the year? Um, well, I guess you'd say you know at a smaller agency of of a hundred folks, it could be. You know, somewhere between ten thousand to forty ish thousand dollars a year, depending on how much of the platform that they wanted.
0: Okay, so you upsell based off number of seats. There's also feature based upsell, and also just utility based upsell based off number of customers in that jurisdiction.
1: Yeah, and it's not necessarily seat based because you know they can't go. Oh, we're only going to give this to ten cops or hundred cops. It's based on the entire size of their agency, so they can't just buy it and test
0: it with ten cops. It has. It's all or nothing.
1: We do do pilot programs for larger agencies that you know have five hundred to one thousand plus cops, where we'll do like a three month kind of custom based trial period at a lower cost. But generally speaking, no, it's based on the size of the agency because mm-hmm. the amount of data is going to be the same either way.
0: I see, I see. Okay, what's the backstory here? When did you launch?
1: Uh, well, we started the company in 2015. My background is in uh, public safety. I formerly worked as a, a paramedic and also a police officer on the East and West Coast. So I had a better understanding of what it was like to be a police officer and how to provide that type of customer service. I also had the technology background, having a startup in high school that kind of helped pay my way through college. So I combined my love for technology and public safety in 2015 with two co-founders, one who was also in policing and another one who was on the technical side of things. Uh, and we launched for our first customer in 2016. And ever since then, have we've been growing considerably.
0: And, and tell me uh, about first-year revenue. Do you remember how much you did in 2016?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I can tell you uh, wholeheartedly. Um, it was a big, fat goose egg in 2016. Because in the beginning, we had to have law enforcement agencies to take a chance on us. They weren't willing to pay. Um, it wasn't until 2017 that we started seeing any revenue. And it was just a couple of contracts.
0: Mm-hmm. What was 2017 revenue? Your first-year revenue, I was curious. Uh, it was less than 100k a year. Okay, less than 100k. And did you? What did you learn from that first sort of 100k? Was your Were you too cheap? Too expensive? Sales motion longer than you thought? Shorter? What surprised you?
1: Um. Well, I mean, focus on doing a couple things really well. I think is that life i mean just everyone knows this lesson but it was just really you know shown to us that doing a couple of things really well is more important than doing a bunch of things kind of okay just to try and catch as many customers as you can um, so i wouldn't say that we you know pricing was necessarily an issue uh, it was more so just making sure that we found that what we were doing is really good for those particular customers and then trusting that that referral process and the network effects of that especially in regional govtech will work out as intended and that's mm-hmm. essentially what ended up happening
0: first customers, 2017, you learn from them. How many customers are you now working with today?
1: Uh, we have over 60 different agencies across the United States and Canada.
0: Okay. And how many paid seats are there for officers?
1: Uh, I couldn't give you the, 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 the most recent sworn number off the top of my head, but I can say it's in the tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Okay, and
0: now can I multiply that? Can I take those sixty customers times call like a two thousand dollars month average contract size? You guys are about hundred twenty grand a month right now in revenue, something like that. Uh, I'd certainly a little bit more than that. A little, a little more than that. Okay. I mean, have you guys broken a two million dollar run rate at this point, or is it something you're focused on doing this year?
1: We have. Yes. You have. Okay.
0: Okay. So a couple of questions on capitalization here. There were two years that you were essentially pre revenue. You started in twenty fifteen. First customers twenty seventeen. How would you fund yourself?
1: Uh, we actually went through the Techstars program in late 2015, Techstars in New York. It was the horizontal program with Alexis Gold and K.J. Singh. From there, we uh, did a pre-seed round of about a million dollars with Winklevoss Capital and a couple other folks, um, buddy Greg Troy, Taylor Adams, no-name venture. What year was that, million? 2016. Okay. And then in 2017, towards the end, we raised a proper seed round of about $2.5 million. It was priced with uh, Alphabet, Sidewalk Labs, Birchmere Ventures, Stage Ventures, uh, you know, Heartland and a, a few other more institutional sized funds with repeat investors and a couple of strategic angels as well. And from there, we just started raising inside rounds uh, to continue our growth.
0: In 2017, at 2.5 million, that was your first priced round. What valuation did you negotiate? Um, I, I can't actually uh,
1: mention that right now.
0: That was like five years ago, man. Come on, you can't talk about the valuation from 2017.
1: Uh, well, what I'll tell you this is, you know, we were recently acquired, actually, uh, about uh, a month and a half ago. So I'm still constantly figuring out what I can and can't say. I see. Okay, that, that it's, explains. It's, it's that a explains bit things. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that explains things. Okay, so you raised. Okay, let's talk pre-acquisition here for a second. So the total you raised pre-acquisition was about three point five million, or you did another inside
1: round before that. Uh, pre-acquisition is about three point five plus another about a million, so it's close to about four point five in total money in.
0: Okay, that's a big moment to decide to sell. Why did you decide to sell?
1: You know, we got a couple offers, and we didn't really want to sell. And I basically told the you know folks that we were talking to, um, "Here's the only way we would do a deal. It would have to be structured in a way that allows us to have upside to continue moving forward in the business, etc., uh, so that we can all kind of, including all of our shareholders, can you know can enjoy this growth now that we're at this inflection point." Uh, and lo and behold, the uh, the buyer of the company said, "Okay," and they put something together. Uh, that actually made sense and and was what we asked for. And then they never changed the goalposts. Um, you know, we've gone through processes like that in the past where uh, potential buyers, you know, come up with an interesting deal, and then okay, we, we might entertain this. And then down the line, that ends up changing considerably. This was a class act buyer, uh, you know, strategic. Uh, and I can tell you right now, it's a, a public safety company called VersaTerm, um, and they stuck to their you know their, their words and said, "Hey, this is what we'll do." We you know it was what we asked for, and, and that was it.
0: Now, if you were doing, or you're north of 160 a month today in terms of revenue, where were you exactly a year ago, so we can calculate a growth rate?
1: Um, Well, about a year ago, we were in the throes of kind of coming out of the like the super scary municipal budgetary impacts of COVID, Um, and we're starting to realize, okay, you know what, we can still make things happen, and we can still sell. We had a major customer come on board, um, uh, you know, major city that doubled our revenue. Almost doubled our revenue overnight uh, in Q1 of 2020, um, and then coming into Q3 of 2020, 2020, we saw continuous growth that was a little bit more quarter over quarter than we had seen previously in the year before. And we think it would have been better without COVID, of course. Um, but then that's when we started realizing that, uh, you know, from a municipal standpoint, which is where we make most of our money, um, you know, we we're going to be okay. Like the, the, these cities are not going bankrupt. In fact, in some cases, they have surpluses of cash. They over. You know, a competent you know, from a budgetary standpoint, plus the stimulus was coming. We realized that in Q4, um, you know, with, with how the election turned out, that some of these cities are going to have a little bit more money than they know what to do with. Um, and that changed things for us a little bit more. So we've just been growing pretty much steadily quarter over quarter. Um, and I will say that the years prior, you know, we had 5X year over year growth pretty easily. Well, yeah, but I mean, those
0: are certain numbers. That was a very long answer. It's a very simple question. If you're doing 160 like today, what were you doing exactly a year ago in this same month, right? Did you double year over year or something different?
1: I just can't provide. I have to act like a politician. I can't provide you a simple question when I'm kind of stuck post acquisition with what I can and can't say on behalf of those numbers.
0: Well, you just share that you're above two million bucks in revenue. I imagine if you can share that, you can share a growth rate.
1: You got to pick and choose how much of a range you're willing to give before you get in trouble.
0: Okay. Fair, fair enough. Got it. So you can share that you're above a $2 million run rate, but you can't share what growth was over the past, over the past uh, 12 months. Um, tell me a little bit more about capitalization. I mean, typically once you raise, especially that 2.5 million in 2017, you've got to go. I mean, you're on the VC track. If you're not raising every 18 months, another institutional round, it's a bad signal to the market. Um, mm-hmm. You guys didn't do another traditional round after that. You raised from insiders. Mm-hmm. I mean, was this an aqua hire Was this a flash sale?
1: No, no. Uh, in fact, we uh, we had The potential of competing uh, term sheet. We had a term sheet for Series A. I mean, we we were um, we actually ended up turning things down because we felt like this was a very very rare type of acquisition that we could have easily walked away from. Uh, We had reached profitability last year as well, so we didn't necessarily need venture. Uh, money to continue growing. Um, of course, we wanted venture money if we were going to grow at a, at a pace that we felt like uh, would keep us optimized. But um, it was a... Well, you have, you have
0: no choice. That's the problem with raising VC. If you're not growing fast, you, you you'd made that choice the second you took your first dollar outside revenue. So even if you're profitable, if you're not growing as a VC backed company, you're still cooked and you've got to take an exit like this to get out of a bad situation.
1: Well, I, I think I, I would push back on that a little bit. I think it com- it's a couple of uh, a couple of variables that that basically make that happen, that pressure happen. It depends on the type of VC money you took. If you take VC money that uh, you know from micro VCs and angels and folks that are pretty much reasonable, with you know how they expect the returns and when they're going to expect the returns, and give you that flexibility, then it's a little bit less pressure. If you're kind of stuck in this. We got you know big institutional VCS and this is what it's going to take to make shareholders happy we've given up this amount of control this is what the expectation looks like then the pressure actually ends up building but for us we were got to a point where you know we'd taken a couple rounds of funding we had very flexible and uh, reasonable uh, venture capitalists who knew they got into a gov tech company um, and uh, they were willing to you know, kind of go both ways of course, the pressure comes to: Do you want to optimize? We didn't have to take an exit. We could have gone the VC route, and we were growing fast enough with the money that we had that we could have continued to organically grow and still see growth rates of two to three x year over year. But if we wanted to spend that money up front, um, you know, to, to, to basically instead of double our sales force, triple, quadruple it, go into like let's say a fire vertical or a court vertical, of course, that's no way to do that without venture capital. And ultimately, the other aspect of, of you know, for, for what we're doing, uh, you know, going organically at the time versus um, you know, basically uh, going the VC route was some things you can't necessarily do faster. In, in government, we were able to hack the sales cycle quite a bit, but there were certain things we just had to wait out with, with COVID and budgeting, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it did delay when we were going to raise, but it didn't mean it didn't have as much of an impact on our decision uh, as you're suggesting.
0: Got it. Fair enough. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite book? Uh, Sapiens. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
1: Uh, there are many, but um, I don't think I can tell you one that I, I find to be more interesting than the others. Great. Number three, what's your favorite
0: online tool for building the business?
1: Just your standard Google collaboration
0: tools, I think, get you 80% of the way. And number four, how many hours of sleep did you, did you get last night? About seven. Seven. And what's your situation? Married, single
1: kiddos? Single in the sense that I'm not married, but uh, happily in a relationship. And okay. So no kids. And how old are you? I'm 32. 32. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. That it was going to take me longer to get to where I am today. And I should be okay with that and trust the journey.
0: Guys, there you have it. Spider Tech working with police municipalities to help sh- and make sure they stay close to customers, i.e., the, you know, the, the 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 folks living nearby that they're protecting. Launched in 2015 pre-revenue for two years, did 100 grand in sales in 2017, also raised a $2.5 million seed that year, ended up raising about $4.5 million before exiting here last month in 2021, north of a $2 million run rate as you look to continue to scale with their new partner. So thank you for taking or Raul, thank you for taking us to the top. You got it.